Welcome back to Almost Familiar, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and for helping us get to 1,000 downloads. We surpassed that with our Shuzh Roswell episode. And on today's episode, we are returning to our... I guess it's like a series within a series. It's the PLF series, PLF being the Pretty Lights family. And on today's episode, we are talking to one of the newest members, Sam Ackles, whose first show was the second night of Red Rocks in 2018. And when I was listening back to this episode and editing this episode, it really made me reflect on how on how impactful Pretty Lights is and how significant that show actually was because part of me felt like you had to have a significant amount of context and history to really get the same impact that we all had at that show but I mean Sam only went the second night and for him to you know do that deep dive that we all kind of did after our first show or after our first series of shows really corroborated to me how significant not only that show was but how significant Mm. Pretty Lights is in general. Yeah, I uh, I think it's really crazy. Just like you said, you know, us and all of our friends, it was the Red Rocks 2018 show was this very big monumentous moment that it felt like the band, the PLL had been building towards, you know, since its inception. And for us to be all blown away by it, you know, and then you have someone who uh, kills me when we were talking to Sam, like didn't even know that there was going to be a band, you know, thought he was rolling up to just your typical kind of, main stage edm turn up gig or whatever and for someone like that to have the same experience we all had at that pl red rock show and then immediately become as obsessed with this world as we all were it was really cool you know it reminded me a lot of my time and falling in love with the scene and uh the nostalgia runs heavy in this conversation and it was it was really beautiful i liked it a lot yeah and it was also fun to hear the kind of electronic music that he explored after being exposed to Pretty Lights and also even what he was exposed to before because, you know, I think it's almost been like an echo chamber on this show, if you will. And I'm not saying that this show was anything but an echo chamber, but Sam obviously wasn't exposed to the same kind of music we were when we were getting into the scene. Like, it's not like he was going to see fucking Dada Life and Skrillex. I think he mentions Flume and Odessa. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that, like, you know, we all have our cringy EDM phases, you know, and for the older generation, like you said, you know, maybe it was you were wearing tank tops to Dada Life and grinding your teeth down a little bit. But, you know, I think it, it was really cool to hear Sam's experiences just because most of his music experiences are, like, so anti the scene that we're in, you know, like doing time at Coachella and hitting up, like, you know, the big flumes and the Odezas of the world, like that's some different shit and then to come into our scene and to love it the way he does i think really speaks volumes to what we got going on in this little corner of the world where you know it's just like it's a subculture of our society that's so welcoming and so warm and so familiar to so many people you know it's one of those things where you experience it and you just want to be a part of it so it happened to sam gotcha bud and it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had with no simple road where you and i wes are you know, we barely have scratched the surface when it comes to the Grateful Dead and with Fish, at least I barely have. And, but despite that, even only having gone to a couple shows, we still can kind of understand it. We can still kind of get the connections and see the parallels. You just have to pay attention a little bit. It it doesn't, it doesn't take much. Now we do talk about Fish a lot in this episode, and I feel like now is just a good time for me to come out and say it. I 
like fish now, and I'm committed to it. All right? Like, I think they're great. I have no qualms about them. I'm no longer on the fence of my fish fandom. I see them for what they are, and they're fucking incredible. And for you, Elizabeth, if you haven't listened to the Undermine podcast on Osiris, or for anybody listening who, like, doesn't really get fish or wants to get them more, my appreciation for them, and this is, like, shot through the roof because of that podcast. It is so fucking fascinating learning the really, the intricacies of them in their early stages. So, yes, Undermine Osiris Media, go check that out because it's fucking dope. And then maybe you'll get off the fence and be an actual fish fan. Like the rest of us, you know, big fish guy now. (laughs) Love an evolving music taste. And it hasn't happened for me just yet. And I I think it's one of those things. I think I actually say on this episode that fish has always felt very black and white to me. You either like love it and not like you hate it, but like you would know if you loved it. And I don't I don't know that yet. So I'm looking forward to having that moment. And I, I kind of want it to be in like a live context. And I think that's the thing. That's the thing with them is that like, it's just, and most jam bands in general is that like, you have to have that live experience. Like none of the, none of the recordings will do it justice. I mean, it might, maybe I just haven't found the right one yet. It's just intimidating in a way. Like you said, there's so much of it to get into, you know, like I'm digging now and I, I don't even know if I have scratched the surface with that band but there's just, there's so much to get into, you know, all the different eras I've been bouncing around, like, you know, on this podcast, we have to just talk about the different eras of PL and we've mentioned the different eras of fish. So it's been really fun to kind of go through and actively listen to that and get educated because that's what it's all about. Well, before we get into our conversation with Sam, I just want to give a couple shout outs to some of our almost familiar alums. That's what I'm going to call you guys. And you guys are doing a bunch of really cool shit within the next month or so. So by the time you're listening to this episode, Captain will have released his Open That Door EP. So be sure to go check that out. I'm super excited about it. My, I don't know if I should call her a friend. She's like my virtual friend slash mentor. I feel like I need her permission to refer to her as my mentor, but I hope that she accepts um, Stacey Forster, who had a brief anecdote in our second episode about transformative justice. She is launching a harm reduction radio show that covers everything from sex, drugs, consent, anything that falls under the umbrella of harm reduction, she'll be covering in her new show called Sanctuary Radio. Um, You should follow it on Instagram. It's sanctuary underscore radio. It launches next Wednesday on March 17th and will be a weekly radio show um, at one o'clock, probably Pacific time because she is based in Vancouver. And we're working on doing a swap cast episode so that she can be a formal guest and then our friend vincent antone who was just on he announced his soul searching ep and that comes out on march 23rd and there are two singles available for you to listen to now also big shout out to the homie thought process i uh was scrolling the instagram today and saw that he got added for a show a socially distanced driving show in missouri i think it's st louis uh being direct support for the whittler So shout out to you, Joe, man. That's super dope. And uh, it's really cool to see shows kind of happening again. It almost feels like we're heading back to life again. So big shout out to seeing him do things and other people do things. And uh, big shout out to everybody who's been patient and just holding it down this whole time. Doing things the right way. It's been super shitty and super hard, but uh, it's going to be over soon, I think. I don't know. Feels like it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a year by the time that we've released this episode, at least for me. I know I started working from home on March 13th, mm-hmm. and that's tomorrow, but... It's been a it's been a weird weird year. Time has moved very weirdly, but you know, just keep shining bright despite the plight, y'all. You know, it's it's been hard, but just keep your head up and you know, reach out if you need some help. Don't be shy. Yeah, please do. And there's lots of ways you can reach out to us. You can follow us on Instagram at Almost Familiar Pod. On Facebook, we are Almost Familiar. And you can email us if you really want to let us know how you're feeling or if you need just someone to chat with, some people you'd like to hear from. You can do that at almostfamiliarpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if this version of Almost Familiar sounds a little bit different, it's because our guest Sam, who makes his own music, by the way, or is is certainly starting to because he was directly inspired from the Pretty Light show. It's under the moniker Samso. But if you're in the Pretty Lights family, you'll notice that he does a lot of covers of Pretty Light songs on his guitar. And so we asked him to do a cover of Almost Familiar for this episode. So we're going to play it for you. And so let's get familiar with this week's guest, Sam Ackles. Have you been to a lot of festivals or not so much? Not really. Only uh, Coachella twice, which is pretty funny. But I really like Coachella. It's pretty fun. And then Arise last year out here in Colorado. It's a pretty small one. And then Halloween. Um, and I think that's it, honestly. Are you in Colorado right now? I am, yes. I, nice. I'm in Denver. Yep. Right on. Where are you from originally? I'm from Connecticut originally. Oh, cool. What nice. part of Connecticut? We're in Connecticut. Ha-ha. Ooh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> so Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's where I'm from. You go to the Cap a lot? I've been a few times. I Who did I see there? I think I saw Twiddle. I was at that show. Well, no. I mean, they've played there a bunch, but I, I've seen Twiddle there. I think that might have been the last time I saw Twiddle. It's just like, what, like three years ago or something? I can't remember. Yeah, actually. I think I saw Lettuce like when I was in high school once very long time ago what you just talked about there's a lot of range into the kind of music you're seeing you know like from coachella to the capitol theater like that alone is a totally different vibe and then like you know disclosure and huluween and huluween's a good melting pot of genres but like what kind of gravitated you towards going to shows initially i came out to colorado to go to college i went to colorado state up in fort collins um, and then my friends I met there kind of introduced me to EDM. I did, I always knew like what EDM was, of course, but I never really listened to it. So I kind of got into it from there. Just like stuff like, I don't know, like Flume, um, like Odessa, like all like the popular, like mainstream kind of EDM stuff. That's kind of what I started with. And then flash forward to 2018, I just graduated college, moved to Denver my cousin, uh, my cousin Camber, he knows that I live in Denver. He was like, hey, like, I'm coming out for the show in August. It's Pretty Lights. Like, I have an extra ticket. Do you want to come? I'm like, Pretty Lights? Like, I've heard of that before, but I don't really know what that is. So I, like, looked up a few songs. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then went to the show, and here we are. 
So what what does that mean to you when you say when you say here we are? Like that was such an emotional and just overwhelming show in in so many ways and I can't imagine that show being my first show. Can you kind of take us through like a sensory experience of what that was like for you? Like what you saw, like what you heard, like what you noticed about like the community and like the vibe in general? Obviously like the light show and you know, the lasers and the visuals to me, that was like mind blowing. I've just never really like, like it's, it sounds so stupid, but the lights like bended gravity in a way. Oh, Totally. Totally. Not stupid. Yes. Greg is an honest to God wizard. Yeah, for real. Um, that's awesome. You guys had him on here, by the way. That's so cool. Yeah, we're so we are so humbled and grateful that that he came on here. It's it's just so cool to like hear about these guys that like came up in the fish scene and just like what they brought from like what they liked there to our community because it really shows and like the, the pretty lights experience and like wit also used to work for base nectar, like the base nectar experience, like even the tipper experience, like it's so different than like some of the other EDM shows. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's way more like jammy. That's, that's one thing I noticed right off the bat. Cause I'm a bit of a fish fan. Now with the PL Red Rock show in 2018, I mean like it was since 2016 with the inception of the first episodic festival that the, you know, Pretty Lights Live Band started doing more of that Jam Central stuff. Were you aware that's a thing that was going on? Or, like, did you think you were just going to see, like, a DJ show? I thought it was just going to be, like, some, ta- like, just EDM, like, standard Red Rocks wow. or whatever. Yeah, I was like, okay, this could be cool. Like, whatever. And I was like, whoa, this is like a jam band. <laughs> was there, like, a particular moment or, like, series during either night that, like, really resonated with you where you were just like, holy shit, like, this is, this is it? Yeah, so sadly, I only went night two. I had the opportunity to go night one, but I'm an idiot. You done goofed. I mean, sometimes you don't know, though, because honestly, like when I was first getting into the scene, like, I, I mean, and I didn't have any kind of jam background. I didn't understand the concept of a two night run. I literally thought it was just so like everyone could go. It was like some people would go night one, some people would go night two. I didn't understand that people would go to more than one night. I thought it was going to be the same the same set every night. I'm like, why? Like, do I really want to go in night one? Like, is it going to be that, like, good? But little did I know. Yeah, and that's, like, part of the beauty of the whole transition of PL, you know? Because, like, the exactly, DJ sets, yeah. like, they were, you'd hear a lot of the same songs, and, like, some stuff would be different, but it was mostly, like, you could expect the same thing. And then 2016, even with the Analog Future Band, you're like, whoa, like, this sound can be just expanded in so many directions. Yeah, for sure. It's so cool. But to answer your question about any moments that stuck out to me, I think, like, even before he started playing, when the, who was it, Russ Liquid Test, I think? Yes, yes, they opened that second night. He had, like, that, he had the band with him, though, too. And that, even that was really cool. That's kind of, like, because that was kind of, I wasn't really used to that, like, style of music at the time. I was like, huh, this is, like, really cool. So that's kind of how, like, I knew it was going to be, like, kind of a different special show from that moment on. I think, like, when I first realized how cool it was, the second song... What was the second song? Um, Is There Any Love, I think? Yeah, Is There Any Love? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. The orange, like, square background. Yes, yeah, and it's like like, popping around all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, very Dusk vibes. I think I took, like, an Instagram video, and the caption was, like, this is already the best show I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't know. The music, I just felt everything. It It was just great. It was awesome.
what's crazy is that that song is still unreleased. And I think what, I forget who we were talking about it with, but um, I just, I feel so like honored, honestly, to have been able to see the evolution of some of the songs. Cause that's something that the Pretty Lights Live band has has given to us like for for example with the episodic tour in 2016 like he started each one with like a prelude track which was like it was like a snippet of like an unreleased track and then throughout like the next two years you really got to see those songs evolve and it was just one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of it's just like to and that's when you know that he's a jam band because you're like oh I like this version from you know this show or like this one's better it's not just like the same song you hear every time it's like everyone is different He's totally a jam band. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I can't really think of another EDM act that, like, does this. Well, there's a lot of guys who are, like, not starting to, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, smaller acts that are implementing a lot more. It's much less common, or much less uncommon, I should say, to see, you know, a DJ act with a live band in support, which is, I think it's wonderful. I love it's, that, It's, like, too. so much fun. And then there's these all these incredible musicians who are just, like, so slept on or usually just doing the studio work that are now getting to be seen which is great. You know, like I think another example is like Emancipator, like his live band. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. I've only seen him uh, this past February at Cervantes. More of like a DJ set, but that was my first time seeing him. It was awesome. What'd you think? I loved it, man. You know, after that pretty light show, I obviously got into like the genre of music and everything, started listening to Emancipator. Now, I don't know as much about Odessa, um, and and I think you said that they were one of the first EDMX that you got into. Would you say that, I just, I literally haven't seen them, in fact, since they opened for Emancipator at the Westcott, Wes, they, and they, there was literally like four yeah. people there. It was crazy. It was nuts. Yeah. And somehow I didn't run into you, Wes, despite there being like uh, Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Filled out for Emancipator though, which was great. So you guys didn't go together? You just, you found him there? No, like Elizabeth and I are like a series of misconnections from all of our time at SU. And then I just became really good friends with her at the time, then boyfriend, who's now her fiance. And then, you know, she would come over because she's living in the city. And then we'd be like, wait, like, where'd you live in college? Like right there. I lived in the next building. You dated the girl below me? Oh, of course. Like you look so familiar. But we were both just like just drunk and degenerates, you know? And it's like, it's crazy we didn't cross paths that way. You know, we're both just being reckless college kids. Yeah, to fit in. totally. That's awesome. Yeah, everything's such a small world. Well, I think it was the Thought Process episode. You mentioned uh, Zayas. Mm-hmm. He's your friend. I, I know yeah. him, too. He's my one of my oh, best cool. friends' co-workers. Hell yeah, he's a wild child. Yeah, he's great. We um, Actually, one of the only shows of 2020 I went to, we saw like the that kind of like jazzy super group. Oh, yeah, Adam yeah. Deutsch, Bormley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at Cervantes. When they call those Jedi, right? It's like jazz electronic dance improvisation. Or I know that. I don't think it. Yeah, I think it's what it was. It was like Dominic Lai or the guy from Big G, Borum, I think. Yeah, he, the sax guy, yep. I mean, you're the one you wit, you tell us. I don't know why I'm like, this was, yeah. <laughs> like, This is the show you were at. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't remember it being called Jedi. It just listed like their names. They do so many things together. And that's they what's do. so cool about this. I don't even know how you would describe it, like pretty lights type world with there's just so much intersection between people like Adam Deitch, Borum Lee, like Dominic, like they all fucking like collaborate together again in the same way that jam bands collaborate together and they can just like pick shit up and like it's just but it's so cool that they're doing it with electronic music because it's literally groundbreaking in my opinion. It really is. No one's doing this until like these past, you know, like four years or whatever. Time is moving so fast now. I can't keep track. I know. 
it's like it's weird that we're coming up on the year mark of like the Rona times. You know, I'm like, I'm looking at my calendar because the last show that I worked was a Subtronic show on March 11th. And like that day is just ingrained in my brain because the general sense was like, damn, like this is like pretty. I don't even know if we should be doing this show. You know, it was a sold out show. And they're like, yeah, like our show tomorrow is about to get canceled. Like, I don't know. And now here we are a year later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So was that your last show that you saw before all this? Um, yeah, I mean, before all this, we've done some drive-in stuff recently. Like, we had a couple nights of the Disco Biscuits, which was cool. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, the drive-in thing was cool, but I just, like, it comes nowhere near the personal intimacy of being in an indoor venue with people, you know? What was your last show, Sam? So, my last show was at Cervantes. It, well, I think it was a Wednesday night. It was Marvel Years and Rust Liquid. Yeah, I love Rust Liquid, because I love when he just, like, busts out, like, three different instruments in a set. He's, like, got his trumpet, he's got his flute. I think there's one more, but yeah, it's it's incredible. He's and like unreal. you were saying, the rest liquid test is so fucking cool, so different. I wish he had that full band because that was so sick. He should bring that back when t- when the time comes. I love that like talk box that he uses too. You know what I mean? That like tube. It's like shit I've never seen in my life. I'm like I didn't. I, I remember seeing that at Red Rocks, and I was on acid, and I was like, what fucking instrument is this? Like I don't even know what this is. Well, see, I remember also being on acid at Red Rocks and being like, damn, like, I've never seen an electronic act to use that, you know? Like, one of my favorite bands is Mo, and they're a jam band, and their guitar player, Chuck Garvey, uses it all the time. So, like, I remember hearing it being like, where am I? Am I at the right show? Like, where's the boys? This isn't Mo. <laughs> and then uh, the most recent show I saw was Closey. At the nice. Mishawaka. Oh, nice. Which is really, really cool. That was my first time at the Mish. They did a great job. It was awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you got, like, really deep in the PL scene, like, after that show. Now, when you think about that pretty light sound, what's the first kind of thing that you think of when you do think about that PL sound? Is it the drums? Is it a melody? Or what is it that you gravitate towards? Definitely, uh, like, the kind of, like old like 70s 60s like funk soul whatever and i really like the his use of vocals okay i think this is my favorite song look both ways no fucking way that's my now it is no it it changed it changes all the time it changes oh that's that's the thing about pretty lights but this is funny because you're i was i was i've actually been thinking that uh, of all of our guests so far we usually get into like the what's your favorite song like we haven't had two people with the same favorite song yet oh is this the first time and now no i way. finally have found my kindred spirit who loves look both ways because it is the best pretty light song it's the everyone best. knows it it's so, yeah. and the one from red rocks night two was so good Ooh. yeah that was a spooky ass flip my favorite part is actually the very beginning like that piano how it starts off it just hooks you in like i just like i feel it right away and then that um vocal sample he uses i really like that interesting see I, I i love like hearing people's different interpretations of songs but for me with look both ways it's the horns at the end i'm a sucker for melancholy wind instruments just gets me every time oh yeah oh yeah i love the horns in the beginning too like that muted horn that's yep yeah so like stuff like that i guess like that kind of like hauntingly beautiful and then i really like his drums like his drums are so organic I don't know if he had, like, a live drummer for the first few albums starting out, but, like, they sound, like, spot on, like, with all the fills and everything. That's really hard to program yourself. Yeah, I'm not too sure what he was for that. Well, whenever the day comes he's on the podcast, we'll ask him. (laughs) 
he would he would definitely oh, yeah. yeah we're, we're <laughs> manifesting it whenever it is Derek take your time man we're here we're gonna keep doing it whenever you're good dude just email us almost familiar podcast at gmail.com we'll see you soon (laughs) and then my former favorite song easy way out was a there's a pretty cool beginning part with vocals too i don't know like that kind of like that kind of style just like my favorite thing about that song is like the vocal part for whatever reason that just like it always makes me just feel like i'm elevating yeah you know and it's just like i think it's the same thing you know his just choice in vocal samples is always like it's so specific for that moment in time because he like doesn't use a ton of them and it's like they're not random because he's not a random person i genuinely believe he all does it intentionally as someone that is like relatively newer to the scene like did you as a community do you find it to be like an accessible and friendly and welcoming community the absolute friendliest community i've ever seen in my life oh i'm so glad to hear that that's great no you guys are you guys are all great like i love just like asking questions, finding stuff out. Like, I'm a huge nerd about this stuff. Did that start at the show, or was this mostly after? This is after the show. The, sh- the show started all this. Did it overwhelm you at first? Because, you know, as as a Fish fan, like, y- you've identified yourself as a Fish fan, and, like, I'm like a... I wouldn't even call myself a casual Fish fan. I don't even know if I like them yet, to be honest. Like, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. I don't dislike them. I'm just not, like in love with them and i feel like it's so black and white with them sometimes there's a lot of fish songs that i don't like too much like i only like one style when they just like funk it up and they don't really sing a lot you're not a ballad guy no i like the pure dude funk. i'm the same yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, i like the i've the, seen him three times and it's like i'm so split in the middle of how i feel about it because it was like a great show then a meh show and then the first set was great second set was meh because it was all full of ballads but that's all part of the fun you never know what you're gonna get you know that's how they hook you in you gotta keep going to chase that perfect show but uh getting back to pretty lights there's no, like, Pretty Light song I don't like. Like, I love all of them. That's kind of, like, the the difference between the two for me. Yeah, I loved what you said before about, like, how you've kind of switched between favorite songs over time. Because that's one of, that's the thing that, like, constantly blows my mind about Pretty Lights is still, like, eight, nine years in, whatever. It's, like, I go through phases with songs, and I, like, love that. And, like, I, I hear new things constantly, but, like, my... I mean, my favorite is like will always be look both ways, but I'll have like a rotation of like five that like really resonate me at any given point in time. And like, I just love that my relationship is like constantly evolving with the music, even though the music itself doesn't change. It's just like your relationship with it can. And like, I just haven't found that with many other artists. What are your top five? Oh my God. What are my top five right this moment? Oh man. I've been like this year, I've been vibing with, vibe vendetta a lot we must go on always maybe a little someday is every day Mm. that's an underrated one i feel like i mean the ones that you named earlier i think are all really underrated and like i it's like you you chose some like obscure tracks and i feel like i could kind of understand your your taste in in pretty lights there between like i think you said look both ways evening sun and an easy way out. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, though. I don't. I don't know, but it's almost in the same way that, like, you know, how you like different styles of fish, like funkier. And I, I wouldn't know what the, yeah. the other words to use to describe like their sound, but like with pretty lights, like I guess I would say there's like hyphier songs, like the yeah, I can see it in your face, like how like yeah, there's like the big yep. dance floor bangers. You got your I need a friend hug, like because I'm so emotional songs. 
And then there's like the more melancholy ones, but something like Look Both Ways, for example, is like all over the map because it has its like slow moments, but then it like, it gets like really fast and like, it's just, it's all over the map. And that's what I love about it. It's like a story within a song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. He's got a lot of tracks like that. That whole album is just like, I think that's his like most technical, I guess from a production standpoint. There's a lot going on. I think it's my favorite album. I'm always like spilling over every side. Is it my favorite album? And then I'm like, God damn it. Like my top, like three of my top five. Okay, here, here's my, here's three of my top five. It's like, look both mm. ways, a million tomorrows and let the world hurry by. And then I'm just like, well. Great calls. Yeah, I'm like, well shit. Like they're all on that album. So like, I guess that's my favorite album. Like, I don't know. Have you tried getting into the PL merch game? And are, are you aware of how crazy it is to get some of this stuff? I have a jib. I think I bought it from some guy in the Denver library, uh, like in early 2019. Yeah, <laughs> he like he was like, meet me at the library, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love that, dude. I literally had to try for years to find a jib at one point. Like it was an active search because people wanted like three or four hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I remember I made some stupid meme and I posted it in the pretty late. I don't know if you ever watched the Fairly Odd Parents. But there's a scene, and, I, like, the reason my brain even remembered it, I was like, what's going on here, Wesley? But with Timmy's dad, is like, and this is where I'd put my trophies. Uh, I had yeah. one. This is where and I'd put my I jib if I had one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. someone messaged me, and they are like, homie, this show's so funny. I have one. It's, like, 50 bucks. And I was like, thank you. That right there, best fan base ever. Everyone's so cool. And, yeah, it was wonderful. I got it, and I was so excited, and I put it on my head only to realize that I have I have a large melon head, and the jib didn't fit. And I was like, damn it. I have a, um, I think, what's the photographer's name? Kate? Kate Falk? Yeah, she. I bought a really cool print of him at Red Rocks Night 2. It's really cool. I don't think there's anything like that specific one. And then I think I have, like, an episodic Chicago one that I got um, from someone. That's about it as far as merch. I don't know. I'm not like a huge collector besides that. I feel like it happens overnight. Like there was a point in time where I had no hats and now I have like eight and I'm like, I don't know like what happened to me, but now I'm a hat person all of a sudden. And I remember when like the, I I guess the most recent set of, I don't know, they're not jibs, like the, the most recent run with like the new logo when that one came out. We, we weren't that prepared and we didn't know our head sizes. So we were and like fractions stressed me out. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like this seven hate, and three eighths. I'm like, I don't, the devil. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. But we were like <laughs> running around with like a ruler, like trying to like, like a, a measuring tape rather, like trying to measure our head. And we were like, I think it's right. And we didn't know for sure. So Ethan, my fiance actually has like multiple hats of like the same color and like one fits him and one doesn't. But that's, that's the thing with merch is that like, you can just trade it. Yeah, Ethan has a problem <laughs> with Pretty Lights merch. He is an addict. Oh, Wes, you, you shouldn't have shown him the, the synesthesia designs, although shout out to them because they're, they're super cool. I know. But, like, he gets the mail this week, and he's like, two shorts, a pair of pants. He's got like 40 I bottoms saw. this week, and I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> so I actually got my first, uh, like, the Paisley jib. Like, I don't know which run that was, but I finally got one at Red Rocks Night 2, and I feel kind of shady for the way that I got it because... I basically you just took it off someone's head. No, but people were offering me $200 to take it off my head in the crowd. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that seems about we right. We basically kind of hoarded our VIP tickets until like the last day and then, or not the last day, but like to, to the point where people were willing to make trades. And it wasn't like intentionally, we, we were genuinely like holding on to it in case 
extra, like other friends or something wanted to come, but it just happened to work out that people were offering like very rare merch to trade for tickets. And I was like, perfect. So we traded two VIP tickets for two jibs and I got to like wear it like at, at my, and Red Rocks 2018 was like my first Red Rocks show. So it was like super cool. Like I finally, I, I, I felt like I earned it in a way, you know, I've been seeing pretty lights for so long. Wait, that was, that was your first Red Rocks show like ever? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it felt perfect. Oh I was God. like, there's no, like, it wouldn't be for anyone else. Like I'm getting chills just like talking about it. Cause it's like, it was such a significant show, like the 10 year anniversary. I was like, this has to be my first time. And like, of course, I mean, yeah. I mean, of course I wish I had gone to see like the fucking symphony at that. He played with at Red Rocks. He played with the Colorado symphony a couple of years ago. I mean, I wish I'd gone. Yeah. My cousins rub that into me all the time. <laughs> yep. As they should, as they should. Stay is also one of my favorite songs. I know they played that. Wow, I I could have only imagined how beautiful that would be with the symphony backing. Actually, yeah, like I think taking up your precious time as a whole is like one of my favorite of his albums. There's just nothing like it. Like I love that organic down tempo stuff. Yeah, I mean him and Menor were on some really different shit back then because that was 2006, you know. And like now, it's, I, you look back at it as a classic, but I'm like, I remember hearing it as a kid back then being like, whoa, just like it was so foreign to anything I'd ever heard. I had like a friend who had a cooler older brother who was like, here you go, dummies, listen to this. <laughs> but yeah, like I guess they took a giant train ride across Europe or something. And then that is kind of like where they wrote most of it or like got inspiration. I don't know. I've just heard that. That's exactly it. And again, I'm like, I'm blown away that you know this stuff for being like so new to it, man. I, I go all in, man. I went all in <laughs> down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how it was for us. You know, it's like once you started seeing him and you're like, oh, got it. Yeah, there's a certain point where it almost feels like an addiction. Like after seeing Pretty Lights at Bass Lights for the first time, I just I felt addicted to it. It's all I could fucking listen to. Yeah, I feel like he has mind control in his music. Is there a song in particular that makes you think that? Uh, well, look both ways, because I just get, like, hooked right in from the first piano note. I think it's so cool that, like, your favorite song was also Look Both Ways, and you got it at Red Rocks, because, like, that's a song that Elizabeth and the gang and I have been chasing for so long. Oh, he doesn't play a lot, really? No, not a ton. I think the year before, like in 2017, I remember he played it like several times on that tour, which was like a huge bummer for me because um, we had just moved out to the West Coast that year. And so we were just kind of low on funds. We had just started new jobs. Like it, we, it wasn't just a, it, we couldn't just like take off to go to go on the tour. So I, I missed I just missed it a lot. Like I knew he was playing it. It was just never at the shows that I was at. But then um finally played it so it, it was again it was just coming full circle for me like my first time at red rocks like it was just it was awesome i couldn't have asked for anything better that's so awesome and then uh what was that the last passenger from what i understand that was like the only time he's played that yeah that's my fiance's favorite song that was what he that's the one that he was chasing so it was it was just crazy to get both of our favorite songs that we'd been chasing for our entire pretty lights career in the same set i was like oh my god really was that is pretty weird like it was definitely meant to be you know literally after the last passenger played because my favorite song that like i've never seen live is solamente well i saw it once when he played his dj set in telluride but he didn't include the flute solo and like that's what i'm here for that flute solo is like one of my favorite pieces of his music and i remember i was like because i know ethan got his song that never gets played elizabeth got her song that never played like 
maybe I'm next. But now it's like the thing I get to look forward to, to the eventual day where he plays Solamente with the flute solo. That's a, that's pretty mm-hmm. rare. Yeah, he played it in uh, New Year's Eve in New Orleans, like the I, which it was a thing I should have gone to. I went to Grizz New Year's and had a fine time. I just should have driven the extra eleven hours. That was the uh, like waterfall and all that, right? That's why we love that crew, man. And like you'll you hear about it when we do our interview with Whip, but like they are just always thinking about like what's next and like what the fuck could they do to surprise us? Because they know that a lot of the people that go are like, especially since twenty sixteen, it's a lot of the same folks. Like, he's not hitting the same big demos and doing the same major festivals he was in. For sure. Previously. I'm sure you get, like, all types of people at those shows. And I guess guess it kind of got more niche as time went on. Which I loved. You know, I was actually thinking about that today, where it's, like, just with how different he got to go. And, like, because I think he must realize that, like, the people that are still around, like, are really big fans of, like, him and what he's doing aren't necessarily looking for like a, a quick cheap little party like we're here for the experience and maybe you can fill in a gap in my own personal knowledge but like i don't i don't know how much you know about fish but like would you say that they did something similar where they kind of like intentionally just weren't really trying to go for the limelight and like were kind of playing more for like a niche audience i mean i know they're big now within their scene but like what maybe in the 90s or something I think kind of always for Fish. I mean, they've never wanted to do, like, the corporate sponsorship thing. They've always been independent. Yeah. You know, like, I th- I think in that sense, they've always known that, like, they want to stick to what they do, whatever that was, and whatever it still is. But they're just, like, they're, I think, one of the most, like, genuine to the core bands that haven't, like, had any weird sort of manipulation from the scene or the industry. I totally agree with that, and I think a lot of that had to do with, like, the, you know, Jerry's death in, like, 95. It was, like, the perfect time for everyone to, everyone kind of came over the fish, as I understand. I'm glad you brought that up, because we were talking to some people that have a podcast called No Simple Road, which is a Grateful Dead podcast, and, you know, we were talking to them about, like, you know, the parallels between the dead community and our community, because there's just so many. You know, when you think about, like, the Grateful Dead and fish, like, do you think, like, in the scenario between PL and Bass Nectar, are we the fish or are we the dead? I think I think we're the we're the dead. Like there's no other electronic band to that extent. Well, maybe if, if you want to count STS9, I guess. I feel like that's that's like the closest kind of thing. But I don't know. Um I'll go I'll go with the dead, I guess. There's definitely parallels between both of them like and I I'm still learning a lot about the Grateful Dead. I learn I learn a lot through No Simple Road. I'm watching that um, documentary on Amazon. I've I've tried to read a couple books just to because every time I like read something or watch something, I'm like, oh, it's just like our scene. But from what I understand, like I think the Grateful Dead kind of percolated the mainstream consciousness like a little bit more than Fish. So in that sense, I mean, I don't know. Did, did, were you into Bass Nectar at all, Sam? Not really. There's a handful of songs. That I like. I was never like all in on him. What I was gonna say is that like when when you think about like Pretty Lights, Bass Nectar, Fish, The Grateful Dead, I think between Pretty Lights and Bass Nectar, I think Bass Nectar very intentionally tried to percolate the mainstream consciousness that much more. Because I mean, I mean, pe- people say it and it's kind of true. Like Bass Nectar kind of sold out, and he he kind of did. I mean, and I think he walked a a really tough line between like selling out and also having like really authentic and like intimate special events. But he, you know, he did try to play all of those mainstream festivals to try to, oh, to yeah. try to get more fans. So I think between the two base nectar is definitely 
more mainstream and like it was so and like thinking back on base lights like when they were doing those events they were both kind of the same popularity i would say and how they both kind of went in very different directions after after it stopped like base nectar tried to get bigger and he successfully did and pretty lights just like didn't really want to like if you really compare the two they really just had completely different strategies a hundred percent yeah because i mean he could totally like headline all the festivals if he wanted to right like at the time absolutely absolutely i think that's just the difference between like you know Derek and lauren as people yeah it was definitely a conscious decision to do what he did Mm -hmm. and i think it was the right call honestly it's more it's more cool yeah for sure i don't know i just like the the jam more jam type stuff that's just more interesting to me i guess i do too that's why I always like I know Pete there are people that don't really like the Pretty Lights Live project and I'm just like, what? Like how not? Like I just my brain can't understand that perspective because I just think what they've done is so crazy, like on so many different levels, you know? It just like exponentially grew music that was already incredible. And then for it to be like different every night. I mean, come on. I know, it's it's amazing. I'm right there with you, but a lot of people, you know, are easy listeners you know they're not really like in on that i respect that a lot of my friends are like that i think it's a matter of expectations too because i i'll be honest and and say that i kind of struggled with the transition at least like the first the first night like i i'm sure you're you're aware sam but for those who aren't um the first night of the episodic tour with the new pretty lights live band in guilford new hampshire um it was you know a a controversial set like people had different opinions about it it was it was a little rocky and it just I was just very confused the whole time and I think part of it was because I took acid and I learned a very important lesson that night to not take acid the first night of a tour (laughs) (laughs) but it really like I think it just taught me to just like not go in with expectations because I was just expecting to hear, to like hear pretty lights the way that I was familiar with it. And just to hear the songs, the way that I knew them. And it was just like so different and it was so innovative. And and I've gone back and listened to that set and like, it's, it's still not my favorite. I've I've never listened to it. Oh, you should definitely check it out. We're like, I think what you're trying to express Elizabeth is like, there was definitely you could see it was different, but there was yeah. a lot of just like sloppy transitioning. Where like I remember there was sometimes like this the total vibe would come to a screeching halt. We were like ah, like it was going somewhere kind of fun. And I was actually looking something up of like my old posts in the PLF page because I wanted to bring up something to you, Sam, but I couldn't seem to find it. But I did find a post of me that I made the first or like first ten minutes in on night two in all caps. Fuck what you heard. New band is everything. <laughs> because night two they came out swinging and i think that was when i was like if this is what we're doing like yes we're out i'm going to all the shows and i did i literally missed my first like month of college because i went on a mini pl tour that's so awesome you know we're talking about jam bands a lot have you guys heard of the band goose yeah very familiar with goose so they are like my second favorite band right now besides pretty lights and they're also from Connecticut, and nothing ever cool is from Connecticut. <laughs> um, I have a lot of pride, like, in that band, because, like, they're, you know, they're from, like, the town 20 minutes away from where I'm from, pretty much. Yeah, man, and talk about a glow-up. Like, Odessa, electronically, I think, had, like, one of the biggest glow-ups, you know, where Elizabeth was talking about that 
the show they opened for Emancipator that nobody was at for their set. A year later, I saw them on a sold-out headlining show. You know, and from there, it only got crazier and bigger and bigger. And Goose is the same way, man. Like, we had a date with them, and it sold out so fast. You know, like, we never have jam band shows up here sell out because people buy day of, you know, because they know they can just roll on over and do it. So tell me if you agree with this. Goose, to me, is, like, the best parts of Fish just throughout the entire show. Yes, 100%, man. Like, bad vocals kind of, like, just, they just ruin it for me. He's an amazing singer. Probably the best jam band singer there is that I've heard. And that really makes their music very digestible. Yeah, I remember because the first time I heard him, I was like, damn, like, this is, like, just so fun and funky, and it's, like, just constantly up-tempo, and it was, like, it was just, it was for me. Yeah, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to, I've had guitar lessons with both Rick, the main guy, and then Peter, oh, wow. the keyboard That's so cool. slash guitarist. So, this is really cool, actually. I don't, I've never seen a band really do this. Peter, he's got, like, three keyboards. He recently got a clavinet. Which, if you guys know what that is, it's like the funky piano. It's my favorite instrument ever. Yeah, me too. So cool. I just, I, yeah, I, you know, that's why I like fi- the funky fish because Paige on the clavinet, he just tears it up every time. I love that. Uh, but yeah, but Peter, he'll like play the keyboard, then he'll like switch his, to his guitar out of nowhere and like play his guitar, switch back. Like he's cr- he's so talented, insane. So I've had uh, guitar lessons from both these guys, and my lesson with Rick, he kind of like helped unlock music theory for me a little bit. So credit to him for really like getting me on that path. Cause from there, that's like when I really started caring about like theory and like what I was doing. And I've just noticed such an improvement in my playing and music making, just everything. To me, as someone that knows nothing about music theory, like I feel like jam music breaks all the rules. Like it's very improvisational and like it, to, to me, it's like, it's just so creative and that's something that I love about it. But I'm, I would love if you could elaborate a little bit on like what you mean by music theory as a safety net for people like me who like don't know exactly what you mean by that. Cause like, I, I wonder if this is what I think you mean by it. Like, is it the, the safety net to me, it's like when, when you're doing a jam, like you, you have to come out of the jam. Right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm always just like, how the fuck do people do that? Like they're in this like weird spacey thing and then they got to go back. So is that like the safety net you're talking about? When I'm referring to as a safety net, I guess, like if they're in a jam, there's always going to be this like underlying kind of chord progression in the background. Like they'll chill on those like four or whatever how chords there are. And those chords will be in like a certain key. Like let's say they're doing blah, blah, blah. The key's in, like, I don't know, like, B minor, I guess. Whoever's improvising, they know that they have to stay in B minor. Um, hit the, like, target notes. People call them the money notes, I guess. Target notes. It's just... So a chord is, like, different notes, right? Like, it's just a bunch of different notes simultaneously. What you can do as a safety net, like, if you hit those, like, individual notes, those are called chord tones that kind of like, that's kind of like what you can fall back on. Because if you hit something outside of that, you know, it might sound like shit. You know, you got, um, it's, that's just what I mean. Like, it's kind of an anchor. But then again, you could break, you, you could break any rule, you know, nothing is <laughs> set in stone. I'm like not familiar with the rules, so I honestly wouldn't even know when they were broken. But is there a band that you think does a really good job of breaking the rules? Yes, uh, not really a jam band, Between the Bear and Me. Their music is like really like, just like wild time signatures, like 
just crazy stuff that doesn't really make musical sense, but somehow it does. Right. It's uh, another band I think of in the middle realm, which you might know that pops to mind is, uh, is it like Cattle Decapitation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're extreme. Yeah. They're an extreme death metal band. Is that the name of it? Yeah. They're crazy. And and their drummer is like, I've never seen anybody move so fast. Those guys are machine. They sound like machine guns. Crazy. Yeah. Like John Fishman's actually, he's done a lot of work with those guys. And he came to that show because his family's like from the area that I'm in. No way. I actually, I never knew that. That is so cool. It's so random. Their tour manager comes up. He's like, "Hey, can I add a name to the guest list?" I'm like, "Yeah, who is it?" And he's like, oh, "It's John Fishman." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Like, who is it?" He's like, "No, it's like it's John Fishman." It was nuts. And then you know, John Fishman walks up and he's like, "Hey, um, I'm John Fishman." And I'm like, Fuck <laughs> "Yeah, you are, dude. Like, what are you doing here?" <laughs> so he was there for Cal decapitation. Yeah, because he's like really into their music and he's really good friends with their drummer and like helps. Like, he listens to that, you know, which is so funny to think about, you know, because, like, I would never associate death metal with fish ever. That's really cool. I've never heard of anything like that before. Oh, yeah, man. Check it out. Like, apparently he's worked with them for a few years now. And now another question off the metal tangent. Are you familiar with Le Special at all? Vaguely familiar. So they just put out a new album called Ancient Homies. You have to check it out. It is insane. They, like, they're a band that breaks rules in so many different ways because it's, like, metal, it's jam, it's dub. Like, it's crazy, the music they make, and that album is fucking awesome. There's one song I, I saw from them, like, one video or something that I really liked. It was an Apex Twin cover, I think. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ooh, no. But I know they're down at the electronic thing. Like, they used to, when Space Jesus did live band stuff, Wait, like, what? those guys would be his live band. Yeah. Space Jesus used to do, like, live band stuff way back in the day, and he's, like, played with them. That would have been pretty cool. Like, the ra- the rowdiest trio of musicians I think I've ever heard. They're, uh, I know there's a connection with them and Goose. Like, those guys are all friends, I think, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, they're tight in the jam world, which is, like, it's weird for the music they make. Like, they're really good friends with Aqueous, and, like, also, if you don't know Aqueous, like, familiarize yourself because they're the truth. Love them. They do, like, all improv sets sometimes, right? Yeah, I saw one in Rochester. It was crazy how good it was. It was, like, an hour and ten minutes of just, like, a seamless set. Like, I wouldn't have known it was improv if they hadn't advertised it as such. Was it just one set, or did they do two sets? They did three what? sets that <laughs> <Shit>. night. <laughs> and, and the middle one was the all improv set. Like, it was crazy. Speaking of all improv sets... Did you guys see any of the SDS9 dates in 2019 in Denver? Yeah, I did. Um, I actually went to that show at the... Paramount? Paramount, yeah. And then I did the two days of Red Rocks after. I was also there too. (laughs) Yeah, it was wild. Like, their improv, the wave spell stuff is really cool. You know, it's like they build up to these crazy peaks. And I feel like there was a lot of, like, kind of lull time segue stuff for the Paramount show, but... Like, it's it's crazy to me that this band conjures the energy, and they're just such a force of nature on stage. And how about our boy being up there with him, uh, with him, Chris Carnes? That was so cool. Yo, right? That was so cool. That was awesome. I love yeah. that that was a thing. <laughs> that was my first time seeing Tribe, actually. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you if, whether you got into Tribe before or after Pretty Lights. Definitely after. But actually, another cool thing about that story, I'll go back into, like, the community, I guess. 
And I think I posted something in the Free Lights group. Um, and my friend Grace, um, she like messaged me and she was like, hey, are you going to, I didn't know her at the time. She was like, are you going to these STS9 shows? I said, yeah, like, you know, we've been like talking for a bit at that point, like becoming friends. She's like, let's meet up. Like, you can meet my crew, like all me yours. I was like, okay, I just went with my friend Dan, met her and her friends. They invited us to like their pregame for the show, the Red Rock show the next day. I went to their house, didn't know anyone, got on the party bus with these people, like 30 of them. And now like, I'm such good friends with all of them. Like we hit so many shows in 2019, or I guess after 2019 until now together. Like we went to Close E together. That's beautiful. This great, great group. We have a Facebook group for all of us. We just coordinate shows and everything. Like everyone's so cool, all similar interests. So it's cool having like a crew like that that you could go to shows with because I've never really had that. Now, do you have any Wook friends? And if you do, have you tried introducing your Wook friends to your not Wook friends and see how that goes? That has happened once for my birthday party. Do you remember your first encounter with a Wook? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm just, I'm trying to remember something, but it's, it all just blurs together. Or maybe not your first encounter, but do you have like a memorable encounter with a Wook where you were just like, oh boy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about a time that was a very full circle festival moment for me where I realized that I had become the Wook. I was at Euphoria um, in 2016, I think it was. It was not the year that PL was there, but I was with one of my buddies, and we had just filled up our Camelbacks, and I had just got this brand-new Camelback, and I was using it for the first time, and I was also tripping, and I couldn't figure out how to close it, and I'm just sitting on the ground by the water station like, come on, come on, like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> and my friend behind me, Kayla, like I just hear him <laughs> giggling. He's going, oh, no. <laughs> No, and I'm like, Caitlin, what? He's like, I can't close my camel back. And I'm like, I can't close my camel back. And then this group of like very clean cut people walk by, they look at us and go, drugs. <laughs> and I was like, no, you don't understand. It's a new camel back. I just can't line it. Those things are pretty tricky, man. You They're know? very tricky. I've definitely had a few, uh, few fumblings with camel backs at Red Rocks before. Spill water all over myself all the time. I'm very clumsy. 30 minutes later, you're like, am I peeing myself? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> That's how you know you're having a good time. And <laughs> you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like a trip sensation that I feel like I experience far too often. Where like, my loins just feel tingly. And I'm like, I don't know if I just feel amazing or if I'm like genuinely peeing myself. <laughs> and then my hands are sweaty. So when I touch my pants, it's like, it's just yeah. wet because my hands are sweaty. Yeah, it's like liquid just comes out of like every orifice of my body. I'll just be like crying constantly. And I'm like, I'm not even sad. I'm just like, it's just like, I just can't control my tear ducts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just happy to be here. I was just going to say, I've never really had any of those moments. I'm like, I don't know like what it is with me, but I'm very good at like, keeping a level head and like keeping it together in those situations. You'll have your moment. You're, you're still, you're still relatively new. You'll, you'll be humbled too. Don't you worry. <laughs> you'll have your moment. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Sam. You'll have it. <laughs> it gets you every time. <laughs> I, just, I just remember doing a lot of like really like stupid, funny things at that Red Rock show. Like we tried to get like as many Dale, Dale's Pale IPAs as Dale's we tried to get Dales. like as many like we go up to like the vendor at Red Rocks. We're like, how many Dales can we get like at once? <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> We're like, just give us as many as you can. I love those goofy little moments though. They're so priceless because like here you are two years later, still thinking very fondly of it. So it's not stupid. 
Oh, I still think about that concert every day. Every day. But yeah, that was a... Man, I'll never forget that night. I've seen the Foo Fighters. I've seen Radiohead. Like, I've seen like high-profile acts, but that show was the best I've ever seen in my life. I still don't have the words for exactly what it was, but I just know it was like one of the most important nights I've ever experienced. I think a lot of my taste with Pretty Lights comes from that set, I guess. Because he played a lot of, like, the chill, like, uh, I guess, mystical haunting, like, down-tempo stuff, too. Mm-hmm. That ending of Rainbows and Waterfalls is, like, that was probably my favorite moment of the whole I show. I think so, yeah. You know it, what I'm talking about, yeah. like, that jam? I'd have to go back and re-listen. Oh, my God. Like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's... I don't know, they just go into a jam, like out of nowhere. Forum does like the arcs, like high-pitched keys or whatever. jams are just so hot we're like it's just crazy you know because like a song like rainbows and waterfalls like i honestly don't like it that much you know like i don't like the studio version it's the drop is really weird but like live they just are able to flip it in this crazy new space i'm like like this i'm with you know where it's like i think it's just the versatility of that band dark as the sky that's another really good one that i completely forgot about yeah that jam super crunchy what did you think about, there's a, of Crunchy, it's exactly where I'm going, there was like, right after he introed the band, there was like this crazy analog breakdown they did. I think it's after I Know the Truth, right? Or was it before it? Was it cold feeling going in, into that? Oh, you might be right. I think you're actually right, yeah. I think, yeah, actually, that is it. That was probably my second favorite moment of the show, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, it was the most abstract electronic music I've heard them make. And I remember I was just like, whoa. The the Sam So with the Anderson Pack. Oh my god, that was such a good sample. Like, again, shout out to Chris Carnes. That guy knows, like, the. It's like he knows the perfect hip hop tracks and the perfect little samples they use at the perfect moments. Yeah, the way that those guys just, like, interpret music just, just blows my mind but um going back to what you were saying about rainbows and waterfalls west and the the difference between the studio track and like when they do it live like that that is something that i notice about jam bands too because i'm i'm not as deep into the jam world as as wes is but one thing i've learned like through uh exposing myself to jam bands is that like you can't judge them through their studio tracks you pretty much have to listen to a set and one thing i wanted to ask you sam is you you were saying that um you've shown a lot of people goose like what do you have a go-to set that you that you tell people to go to so the tricky thing with goose they don't have much on spotify i think they're slowly building that up they're on uh this thing called nugs and then band band camp of course um but go to i'll start people off with their peach fest set from 2019 that's like their like breakout that's a really good one you can't you can't go wrong honestly there's they're they kill it every time yeah, I mean, I agree from everything. I don't think I've heard of a bad Goose show. Sometimes, like, I can hear when people flub, like, 
when they make a mistake, but I never hear him. Like, they play off so well. They're they're so locked in. It's really incredible. Because Fish, they flop quite a bit. It's, like, pretty obvious when they do. But Goose, like, I, can, I can't really tell. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about Mo, which is, like, one of my favorite jam bands. But they're, like, so not perfect. And, like, it's kind of a reason, like, our fans love them. There was a Mo down there festival, which is, like, the first ever festival that I went to that brought me into the whole community. Um, this was their last one that we did, I think, two summers ago. There's literally a moment where the singer Rob, the bass player, forgot the lyrics to a song. And it was this funny thing where we were all like, come on, Rob, like, <laughs> sing it. And he was like, like, fuck you. Like, do you know the words? Do any of you want to sing it? And he was literally like, people in the crowd were like, um, I don't. And he's like, yeah, like, you don't know the words either. And it was just like a really funny moment. Because it's like, you know, most people at Mo, like, a lot of them know the words, but a lot of them are just like there for the jams because they go hard in the paint. One thing I wanted to ask you, Sam, about um, your observations of the scene so far, like, are there any, like, negative parts of it that kind of rub you the wrong way? Because, like, you know, it's there's there's good parts and there's bad parts to the scene, but I'm just curious if there's anything that's kind of stuck out to you where you're just like, ah, that's kind of whack. Like, what's up with that? I don't like too much wookery. Like, it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, you know? Can you define what you mean by wookery? And where do you draw the line at too much wookery? <laughs> you know, like, the really, like, dirty, like, wook people who just go, like, oh, you can tell these people haven't showered. You know what I mean. Uh, just people who are, like, just absolute, like, DMT heads, I guess. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. I mean, especially when you're not used to it, because it is, like, such an unknown thing. Like, I remember the first time I smelled DMT in public, I was like, what? And then I was explained to what was going on, and I just went, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I've never done it. I don't think I ever will. It's, it's pretty scary for me, personally. I yeah. don't know. But... I remember the biggest wooks I ever met were some bass nectar wooks at Okeechobee, and uh, my buddy and I, Reeve, were, like, looking to get some molly or something stupid, you know? And they're like, yeah, like, we got some. And I was like, cool, like, who'd you guys check out this weekend? And it was, like, the second day of the festival. I'm like, oh, we haven't seen anyone yet. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're here for Nectar. I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's tomorrow, right? Like, you checking out anyone tonight? And they're like, nah. There was a fourth day. They literally were there for just Nectar, and then they left. But they were just like, they're those kind of wooks that you're talking about where this one kid's like, yeah, like, I remember I was at a show and Pink Elephants came on and I literally sparred and kicked the kid in front of me and security came to get me. And I'm like, bro, what? That's not chill. Like, who are these people? Reeve, we got to go. I actually had, you were asking before about like a wook experience I had. That actually reminded me of something. It was at a bass actor set. Surprise, surprise. It was uh, his, who yeah, his Halloween set. We got like a rare, the duck song, I think. I didn't know anything about it. It happened. Everyone's like, oh shit, this is a rare song. And this, uh, this kid, like he was on something. He was like just running through the crowd, like knocking into everyone, like just like very aggressive. Like you could tell he was just like, he needed help. Like he was gone. So he, he fell to the ground. Like people were holding him down. We were just trying to get security over to like help him or like a medic or someone. I think that's my least favorite part of the scene too. I hate like, that, man. Just the people and the blurred lines with limits like especially working at the venue level it's like weird now how desensitized i am to like people just like out of their gourd or i'm like ugh, like sit down like let's get you some candy here's a warm water like come on like have some like sense of decency like hold it together a little bit like know your limits you know <laughs> don't it's yeah. funny like i guess like the memes and like pictures and stuff like that but i'd hate to be in that situation if i saw like a picture of me Ugh. like naked rolling around in the mud i'd be like jesus Christ. like 
my life's over, you know. Are you aware of Colorado Big Game Trophy Wook Hunters? Oh, I mean, I'm in that group, yeah. <laughs> You'd hate to be, like, yeah, featured you don't get in that group, though. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, uh-huh. um, it's my goal to never never get to that point, <laughs> I guess. It's so, my now goal. my goal is it's I'm going to try to back attack you someday, goal. Sam. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> Elizabeth is going to be lurking behind you at all shows, like, I'll catch you slipping. So, my cousin and I, uh, we, we have four different categories of Wooks that we've come up with. So the first category are the Hooven looks. Those are like the absolute like creature, like looking looking guys. And then uh, the second category is trickster looks. Like they'll wear like a magician, they'll look like a magician. Like you, you just know they're gonna try and trick you or something. You gotta be careful with those guys. I think like the, like wizard looks is another one. Like they look like Gandalf, I guess. These are all people I see at Tipper shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you could kind of like categorize them a little bit. What's your favorite, um, like I guess, unreleased Pretty Light song? That's a good question. I feel like no one's really talked about that on the podcast. Mine is hands down Prelude Four slash Eternalously. Well, I know my cousin's favorite, and it's also my favorite sometimes. But I'll say something else to keep it interesting. His favorite is, it doesn't have a name. I call it, we call it the Gorge song. I think you guys know what I'm talking about, right? But don't take my son. Like, that one might be my favorite. No, that one is, oh my God, that one's really good. Uh, you have a gift. Thank you. You just reminded me of something I was going to think of earlier, but I couldn't think of it. Like that's the whole reason I was going on PLF to look something up. From that amoeba, what's in my bag, there's a sample where he's listening to of a Sil Johnson he samples it in You Have a Gift. Like the intro guitar chords, that's from the Sil Johnson song that he found in that video for Amoeba Records. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, because I remember I heard that song and I was like, whoa, like I've heard this before somewhere, but I can't think of where. And it's one of those points in the video where he's listening to it and he like kind of trails off and you like see him doing his thing in his brain of like, what could I do to this? I'm going to play this at the Gorge in, like, seven years. <laughs> like, he yeah. just knew what he was so going like, to do. I highly encourage, like, you watch that video, watch him listen to that song, and then listen to You Have a Gift. And, like, I don't think there's a better description of the man and his vision and his, like, dedication to the craft. Crazy. One of my favorite unreleased ones, and shout out to Closey for playing it out of absolutely nowhere and just blowing my mind, the Led Zeppelin remix. It's always nice hearing PL tunes at something else because, like, I feel like you don't really hear it played out by like a lot of other artists the way you hear bass nectar played out by a lot of DJs. The Led Zeppelin actually isn't my favorite song, but yeah, Witness Break, uh, that's sick. It's that's like full on jam band stuff. I'll tie that with uh, Athena. I, I just really love that. That's all. We had a really great time hanging out with Sam, and we hope you guys had a great time chatting with him and hearing about him and his perspective and journey through music. I'm glad you came into the scene. I think there's a lot of people that see artists and don't really gravitate towards it and don't go into the community as much, so it's, it is really, really cool and really refreshing to see that there are some younger kids that were starting to get into the PL game. So hopefully 
There'll be a whole bunch of PL youths running around when Tor comes back. Yeah, we're going to start to feel old. I feel, and I feel like that's kind of the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think we've mentioned it on the show before, but like the Pretty Lights fan base specifically is a little bit older, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all matured together. I don't think we were always super mature, but I think that's just kind of happens after you go to shows for a couple of years. And, you know, I think it's kind of up to us to show newer people like what it's all about. Like, I really think that, and I think the Pretty Lights family has, has always been specifically very good about this, but like it, the way that this community grows in a positive direction, I think, or partially is like personal accountability. Like it's really up to us to, to just pay it forward, to pass it along and just to show people the little, like the tricks of the trade, like those, those unspoken rules. And it's always hard to think about like what those are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing you just said there really reminded me of something that Derek said in the Nashville monologue, which was a doozy of just really, really interesting thought. But what um, I'm really thinking of now is a line where he talks about, you know, taking the energy from these shows and wearing it like a fabric and then spreading that energy around. And it's I think that's been really hard for a lot of people lately, you know, with all the COVID and not being able to really experience that energy. But I uh, I think that it's important to remember that that love and that energy exists in you. So if you're listening to that, just know that you got it in there and spread it around. feels good. Yeah, it really just boils down to the way that you treat people. And that's that's kind of what I think about when I think about the, the Pretty Lights family. Like, not to sound all, like, cultish or whatever, but, like, it's a cult. not Derek. <laughs> not Derek as a person, because I think it's important to, like, really, like, learn our lessons from the whole base doctor fallout and not, like, idolize people. But, like, Pretty Lights is a concept. and I And I feel like he's always been very intentional about it. And Pretty Lights... I think one thing that's come up is like it's it's like a mindset. It's like a way of life. And like you can. It's a movement. It's a movement. And, you know, one thing that's always kind of I found interesting about the movement is that like the timing of the announcement, you know, like not much was going on. It's like he might. I don't remember if he released the single before or after. It doesn't really matter. But like you would think in my just, you know, normal way of thinking, not in like my creative way of thinking like pretty lights, but like you would think that when you start a movement, maybe, you know, like new music, like a tour or something like that. But like, I really think that like the strength of a movement is kind of defined during mm. times of uncertainty. Mm. That's what shows its strength. And like, it kind of goes, that that goes back to what I was saying about Sam at the beginning is that like, he didn't have the opportunity to go see Pretty Lights like 16 times in one year or whatever the fuck you all did, you crazy people. Like, he saw it once and he's part of the movement. Like, this is a movement because Pretty Lights is quiet, to be honest with you. That's what makes it a movement. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm feeling every word you're saying, Elizabeth. You're gassing me up. The movement is strong, it's alive. It's here to stay, good vibes, and I sound aggressive, but I'm just hyped and full of love and want to dance. And I think, you know, it's like you said, where the movement is something that now, it I don't know, you know, PL, I think, used to be just a party for people. And then the fact that it kind of turned into this ideology, you know, which is not to be mixed up with idol tree, as we were also discussing, but... 
it's been really cool to see the power of that music and this music that we all love. And I'm, I genuinely am really excited to see where it goes. Cause I know that, you know, for us and the people that are still listening to this, we're obviously still riding that wave. And I don't think there's going to be anyone getting off that wave anytime soon. Well, for next week, nope, not next week. <clears throat> you know, half a year later, I just figure I would have the, the verbiage down for this. But the next time you hear from us, we got to catch up with one of, I think, one of the more forward-thinking people in electronic and bass music or whatever you want to call it, Sam Andrus, a.k.a. 5AM. And we got to chat with him about what he's doing, what the 5AM trio is all about. Those guys are really pushing the envelope as to what electronic music can be. And it really is just, it's flipping the game on its head. 5AM trio is crazy. Thank you so much for everyone that's listening. You know, we really appreciate the love that we've gotten and continue to get from y'all. And we're just having a really good time doing this podcast and getting to kind of talk more about, you know, this movement. And what this is, because it's something really large and bigger than life. So thank you again for the support. And if you like this podcast, know anybody that might also like it, tell them about it. We'd appreciate it. And if you tell them about it, make sure that you ask them to follow us on our various social media platforms. And those are on Instagram, we are Almost Familiar Pod. On Facebook, we are Almost Familiar. And we always love getting an email. So that is almostfamiliarpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening and hanging out with us and spending some time with us. Much love, y'all. Until next time. Peace.